Hey everyone, welcome to the first episode of Carrying the Team. My name is Nikki. My name is Nick. <laughs> this podcast is really all about sports, um, mainly basketball and baseball, with some football sprinkled in. In today's episode, we'll be talking about the Lakers and the Clippers and how that showdown went down. We'll also be talking about um, the Pelicans and their two-game win streak and LeBron aggravating his injury, all on the basketball side. We'll also be talking about um, Dallin Batances signing with the Mets, Edwin Encarnacion signing with the White Sox, and Hyunjin Ryu signing with the Blue Jays. So let's get right into it. Starting with our first topic, the Clippers beating the Lakers. On Christmas Day, the two powerhouses in the West, the Clippers and Lakers met, and of course, the Clippers beat the Lakers 111-106. to Here are some of the stats of the game. Kawhi Leonard had a double-double with 12 rebounds and 35 points, with also 5 assists, 1 steal, and 3 turnovers. And right under him, Paul George had 17 points, 5 rebounds, 3 assists, 3 blocks, and 2 turnovers. Now going to the Lakers' sides of things. Anthony Davis had 24 points, 6 rebounds, 3 assists, 2 assists, 2 blocks, 3 turnovers. Right under him, King James himself, 23 points, te- a double-double, forgot to say that part. 23 points, 10 assists, almost had a triple-double because he missed out with, with one more rebound. He had 9, 2 steals, 1 block, two and 2 turnovers. Now we're going to the team stats. The Clippers were 39 and 85 from the field goal, 9 from 25 from 3, and ended up winning with 111 points. The Lakers were 39 for 96 from field goal, 12 for 45 three point, and ended up with 106 points. Even though the Lakers bench outscored the Clippers backups 49 to 36, it wasn't enough to push them over the edge and win the actual game. Nick, what do you think was the reason the Clippers were actually able to win and beat the Lakers, and what do you think the Lakers need to do for next time in order to get the win? Um, play through their starters and make sure Kyle Kuzma's starting because he is riding the bench currently, even though the current power forward is really garbage with... What's his name? Bradley? Avery Bradley. Never heard of him, but I've heard of Cal Kuzma, so they should put that into consideration. Um, And also, he scored 25 points compared to Avery Bradley's two points. You know, put Cal Kuzma there. And nobody cares about Jerome McGee, so just put the popular guy, Dwight Howard. They'll probably get more uh, more wins, even though it doesn't matter. And um, stop chucking threes like Russell Westbrook. That's all I have to say. And um, be more patient on offense. Yeah. Even though Anthony Davis only had 24 points in the game, how do you think he played? How do you think he can get better? By passing the ball more. Is that all he needs to work on? And stop shooting three-pointers because we all know he sucks at shooting threes. Awesome. Great to know. Um, Is there anything that you think the Clippers need to work on um, to better themselves, because clearly, not clearly, but in the beginning of the game, I think they weren't, you know, playing as effectively because um, they maybe they just weren't getting it. Um, Kawhi Leonard scored 11 of his 35 points in the fourth quarter alone, I think it was. Yeah. Um, so, how how do you think they can get better as a team to just be better overall? Playing defense, you can't play 48 minutes 
and only end up racking six blocks and six steals. The only good defender on that team is or three people: Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, and Patrick Beverly. Lou Will sucks at defense. <laughs> so does Ivak Zubak, and Pat Patrick Patterson. They could really expand on getting defenders. <laughs> All right then. On to the next topic. Um, let's talk about the Pelicans finally getting on a two-game win streak for everyone out there who is not a Pelicans fan or not really keeping up with them. They're currently the second-worst team in the West, only beating the um, you know Golden State Warriors, ironically. Um, but the last two games they have won, and this is a, a pretty great feat for these teams. So, you know, let's just get on that. Currently, the Pelicans are down their star player, Zion Williamson, who was supposed to be back. Um, I'm not really sure if this was even official, but he was supposed to be back starting December 15th, I believe. And it was supposed to be kind of like a second opening day for the New Orleans Pelicans and their fan base. But unfortunately, he hasn't been back just yet. Um, so I think it has been a little bit difficult for the players who are all very young, all very talented in their own right, to be able to get back on their feet and be able to learn how to how to play and, um, you know, without Zion. Um, and I think it's also interesting to note that in the preseason, when Zion was playing, playing um, they did not lose. They actually won. Again, it's the preseason, but it goes to show how much better, how much more confident they were with Zion on their side. Um, but now without Zion... As everybody could see, um, they're not doing so hot. They're not playing very well. Um, but the Pelicans just won 112 to 100 versus the Nuggets last night, and they have a two-game win streak. So, Nick, what do you think the Pelicans need to do in order to continue to get better? And what did you see in this game that they were doing differently versus all the other games that they've been losing? Just continue losing. There's going to get Lamelo Ball, so just keep that in mind. You're going to get LaMelo. Just imagine that backcourt, you know, with Lonzo, the, the one spot, LaMelo at the two spot, because LaMelo just happens to be taller than Lonzo. And um, you got yourself a dynasty, you know, the three brightest stars in the league. Lonzo, LaMelo, and Zion. Oh, I can't forget about Brandon Ingram as well. But seriously, as a team, what do they need to do to continue to get better? Being aggressive on defense. They're closing out getting rebounds, they're getting steals, they're getting blocks, and that's why they held the Nuggets to 100 points, because the Nuggets are 21-9, and because if you f- flip the Pelicans' record, the Pelicans would be better than the Nuggets. Think about it like that. Switching back years to the Lakers, um, it's been noted that LeBron James aggravated his groin injury and they're saying that he might have to sit out um, in the future if his injury is as bad as everybody thinks it is or if it's even just aggravated a little bit so with LeBron being out that will obviously affect the team and their overall um, dynamic and how they're going to be practicing and playing what do you think about LeBron James being out how do you think it'll affect the team how do you think it'll they'll, they'll be able to move forward it won't affect the team because they have Anthony Davis, and it's basically the same situation when he was back at the pe- with the Pelicans. He'll probably figure out a way to somehow play without LeBron, because nobody needs LeBron. Um, yeah, 
All right, you heard it here first. Nobody needs LeBron. Switching gears from basketball to baseball. Um, first up, we're going to talk about Dylan Batances signing with the Mets. Is this good? Is this bad? How do you think um, this is a positive for Dylan? I think it's a good thing because he left the Yankees so he could finally grow out a beard if he wants to. He's also being paid $10.5 million, which is better for him too for only one year. Wish I had that cap of money. But it's a good signing by the Mets because Edwin Diaz was horrid last year. Really bad, blowing every game he pitched in. You know, he wasn't that same guy from 2018 who almost broke K-Rod's record for 64, 62 saves in a season in 2004. So he, yeah, I think Dylan is is a good setup, man, to, you know, to help Edwin Diaz. Do you think this will help the Mets better their overall team? Do you think this one pitcher is going to be um, exactly what they need in their bullpen? I do, because the Mets have a great core. Jacob DeGoat, um, P- um, Polar Bear Pete Alonzo, Wilson Ramos, um, Brandon Nemo, Nemo, Jeff McNeil. That's a, that's a pretty good defense and offense with Pete Alonzo. But it's even better for Jacob DeGrom because he finally has a guy who can rely on to come out of the bullpen instead of always relying on Seth Lugo or someone like Edwin Diaz who always blows games. It'll be a miracle if he actually saves a game. But I think that's a good signing because they don't have to rely on Seth Lugo or Edwin Diaz. Awesome. With thinking this is a good signing, how much further do you think the Mets will make it into the playoffs this upcoming season, if at all? They couldn't make it to the playoffs with Pete Alonso and Jacob DeGrom. I don't think their chances are very good, especially for a relief pitcher. They're better off signing an offensive player. So you don't think this will affect them making it or not making it into, into the playoffs? It would give them a couple more wins, but the NL East is one of the toughest divisions in the league, especially with the Nationals, the, the current champions. The Miami Marlins, <laughs> the Atlanta Braves, the Philadelphia Phillies. I think their chances are very slim, but they have a chance to make a wild card spot, but I don't think they will. All right. Well, when you heard it here first, the Mets will not be making it into the playoffs this upcoming season. Um, next up, we have the Edwin Encarnacion signing. Um, he signed with the White Sox this upcoming season. Same thing. Do you think this is good, bad, and how is it a, a positive for the White Sox? Edwin's extremely old, so it's probably not a good signing. But they did sign him to 2021, where they have a club option for him. So the deal is worth 12 million. But I don't think it's a very good signing, especially for an aging veteran like Edwin Encarnacion. He'll never be the back. He'll never go back to the days as a Toronto Toronto Blue Jay. So it's not a very good signing. So do you think it's a good signing for Edwin, but not? The White Sox. So, positive for him, but not the the club is what you're saying? If it's a bad deal, it's always going to be positive for the player because it's more money coming into their bank. That's a very good point. Um, so, same question that I just asked previously. Do you think um, this will be good for the White Sox in making it into the playoffs? Or do you think um, it's not going to be really... It's not going to affect the team overall? The White Sox are going to be competing for the AL Central. Sadly, because the Minnesota Twins have not made any major signings, and the Cleveland Indians are trying to trade Francisco Lindor, 
which sounds like a rebuild, but because Corey Kluber's aging as well. But I think they'll probably fight for a wild card spot or just stay second in their in their division. But Edwin Encarnacion is a great bench spot, especially when they have Jose Abreu being their starting first baseman, who was in the contention for MVP a couple years ago, but not anymore because he's kind of falling off the map. But they have um, the young shortstop, Tim Anderson, Johan Mancada, Lucas Giolito. They currently signed um, Dennis Keiko. They also signed Gio Gonzalez. I, and they also reassigned Jose Abreu. They have a good shot. I make in the playoffs this year, but I don't think they'll be able to beat the Twins. All right. Good to know. And the last signing that we'll be talking about today is Hyunjin Ryu, excuse me, signing with the Blue Jays. He was with the Dodgers this past season, and um, now he's signing with the Blue Jays. So what do you think about that? Good, bad? Give us the good and the ugly. I think it's bad. They signed a guy who almost went Cy Young. But he's 33 years old. And they also signed him for four years. So he's going to be 36, 37 when he, um, when he finished. And there's no club option. It was a terrible signing, especially for a team like the Blue Jays. Vladimir Guerrero didn't have a good year either. The hyped-up rookie. The hyped-up rookie. But you loved the hyped-up rookie. You stay home from school so that you can watch his opening day. Or his major league debut. He disappointed. I thought he would have a two home run game in his debut. He decided to get a single or a double, a single down the line versus the Oakland Athletics. Everyone was so happy. And then it took him two weeks just to hit his first home run. So do you think that overall this is a good signing for, for the Blue Jays? No, not terrible, terrible. He has a terrible injury history. He missed 15 weeks in 2018 for a groin, in, groin injury. So, And he's also aging. It's not good. Probably good for him because he's being paid $80 million. But yeah, that's it. Gotcha. Thank you guys for listening to the first episode of Carrying the Team. My name is Nikki. Oh, my name's Nick. And we'll be posting a new episode every week. Stay tuned for our next episode and thanks for listening bye